This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec, the place to stay updated and educated. Hello and welcome to Tech Guide, episode 421. This is the podcast that keeps you updated and educated about the latest consumer tech news and reviews. And a big welcome to any first-time listeners. My name is Stephen Fennec and I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, the 5G war is on between the big telcos ahead of the iPhone 12 launch. The business card has been reinvented for the 21st century And in the Celebrity Tech interview, we're talking to Australian best-selling author, Jane Harper. In the Tech Guide review, he's going to take a look at the LG tone-free earphones, which have a germ-killing charging case. We'll also check out the Air Vita, the world's smallest air purifier. And the Ecovax Osmo T8 robot vacuum has become even more useful with the launch of a new feature. And we'll answer all of your tech questions in the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, the company that keeps you connected. And Norton, the company that keeps you protected. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it is on the war for 5G, and this is ahead of the iPhone 12 release. Uh, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, Apple will be announcing their new iPhones, the iPhone 12, and it's no secret that these new devices will be 5G compatible, the first time Apple has has produced a 5G iPhone. So hence the reason why Optus and Telstra are squaring off against one another to try to win customers to their 5G network. Now, with the iPhone being 5G, of course, it's it's going to make it real for a lot of customers. There are a lot of iPhone users that have been iPhone users for many years. None of them have experienced 5G before. I know there's a lot of you listening that may have a Samsung device or an LG device or any other Android device that there's been 5G devices around on the Android side for a couple of years now. But for iPhone users, this is a first. And when Apple is doing something like this for the first time, 5G for the first time, it, it kind of becomes official for the customers. It becomes real. I think a lot, lot of people thinking that unless Apple does it, it's not official. And, and the, that, that's how loyal their customers are. They're now going to experience 5G for the first time. Now, Optus and Telstra, and to a lesser degree, Vodafone, their 5G rollout is a little bit more, a little bit behind Optus and Telstra. But for the two big telcos, Optus and Telstra, this is an opportunity to win new customers to their network because I'd imagine a lot of customers who want to purchase the iPhone 12 5G will want it on the best possible network. The whole idea of 5G is to offer speed and capacity and, and that low latency. And Telstra will no doubt be be singing their own praises, as will Optus, to try to attract customers to their network. Optus has already fired the first shot with their 5G smartphone price match. This is a price match guarantee, which I see as a direct shot across Telstra's bow, just week, just before the release of the iPhone 5G in Australia, because uh, both jostling for customers here. So any any this is automatically counted. Any move Telstra can make, if there's some kind of deal they're going to try to run with the with the 5G iPhone. So Optus has already counted that move with this price match guarantee. But again, it relies on the customer. There's going to be a lot of uh, wooing of customers onto the network. The, the anticipated release date of the iPhone, the new iPhone, will be October 23. So that, that's a, a little, just, over a couple, just, just under a couple of weeks away. So plenty of time for Telstra and Optus to do their thing. They're, they've no doubt got massive launch day plans, which we'll find out in the, in the coming days. And, of course, the iPhone itself, 
re- reportedly there's going to be four new iPhones and probably three of them will be 5G compatible, one perhaps a more affordable under $1,000. Again, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, we'll know the exact details in the, in the la- later part of this week. But the, the anticipation around these products is huge. I think this is going to be probably the biggest iPhone release we've seen for many years because... Uh, for a number of reasons. Number one, it's going to have a new design. It's going to look different. The, the the curved edges are gone. They've been there for six years, that that curved edge look. Now I think it's going to go back to that more, it's it's kind of taking, borrowing from the iPad Pro design language, having those, those angular edges, so flat edges, and harking back almost to the iPhone 4 and 5 with that, that kind of look and feel. There's also going to be different screen sizes. 6.7 inches, I think, is going to be the biggest, the iPhone 12 Pro Max, and all the way down to 5.4 inches for those customers who don't want to carry around a massive phone but still want to have an iPhone. So that's going to be an option for them as well. There will probably be other other devices, uh, maybe a, a cheaper and smaller HomePod, uh, maybe a pair of headphones. So there's a lot of rumors. And again, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, I might be sounding like a genius right now if I've predicted that right or sounding like a dummy if I haven't got it right. But there will be more. You can check out on Tech Guide all of the information about the new iPhone launch and all of the new products, when they're going to be released, and hopefully our reviews of those products as well. You can check all of that out at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. Business cards, they've been around for quite a while. Do you have a business card? Do you carry around loads of business cards to hand out to people? I, I looked up a bit of uh, a business card history and uh, found out they've been around for hundreds of years. In the 1700s, we started handing out business cards, would you believe? So these are these little these little bits of cardboard that have our, our name, our position. Uh, in, in modern times, of course, it has our email address and our, all our other social media handles and all of those things. And it's a big business. More than 28 million business cards are printed daily in Australia. Can you believe? That's a lot of cards. But the other side of that, though, is that 88% of people who receive a business card will normally bin it within a week. So that's, that's a lot of waste if, if they're throwing your card away. So they, there has to be a better way. And, and a company called Tapped, an Aussie company, has come up with this idea of reinventing the business card. And they have just done just that. They call it the tapped by hatch. This is the a, a business card for the 21st century. And it looks like a normal business card. It's made of uh, made of, of plastic. Does still can still have your company logo and your name on the front of the card. And on the back you'll find a QR code. So how it works rather than you handing over a bit of cardboard that the person, your new contact, may put in their pocket and then probably toss out before the end of the day, instead of doing that, what you can do is, if the person you want to share your details, you simply pull out the tapped by hatch card, and if it's an iPhone, you tap the front of the phone, and if it's an Android device, you tap the back of the device, and a little notification will come up on the screen because this card has NFC, near field communication. So you, t- you tap your card on the phone and a web page then, a link to a web page is, is, is there. You click on that and then all of your details are listed on this web page. And there's a, there's a button on it that says add to contacts. So in one, they can see all your details. One button press will add all of the details from that page for all of your your personal information, your phone number, your address, social media handles will then be saved into that phone's, into a contact on that phone. So they've got your information. You're not hand, you're not giving them a bit of cardboard they're going to throw away. And you've still, that transaction, that contactless transaction has just happened. So they've got your details uh, without you having to hand over the card. Now, the other advantage here, of course, it's, it's, it's a cost advantage, but also you don't want all these cards being thrown away. So printing them, you're printing them just to throw them out, basically. So instead now, you can use the tap functionality, the NFC. If the person you're, you've met doesn't have a modern smartphone with NFC, there are still some that don't have it or some older phones, they can open up the camera on their phone 
and scan the QR code on the back. Now, I'm, I'm sure you've done that in the last little while because everywhere you go now, thanks to the COVID restrictions and the COVID in, in, in safety regulations, you now have to scan if you want to sit in a cafe or a restaurant. So same deal there. You, you open up the camera, aim it at the QR code, and again, that same link will appear and all of your details then appear for your new friend and they can add to their contacts. So the, the other advantage, though, uh, apart from less waste, is what happens when you change jobs or change your phone number or change something that's on your business card. Traditionally, what you'd have to do is toss out your old business cards and get a whole bunch of new ones printed. Well, that's not the case here because all you need to do is go into your tapped account page, update any details that you that you need, save those changes, and then the next time you're tapping, sharing your details, those changes would have been reflected in that update. So forget paying hundreds of dollars to get more hundreds and hundreds of new cards printed. Then instead of that, you've just edited your details and, and you're good to go again. So it is it is a smart move here, a really good idea of you can see the picture that they made up one for me so I can demonstrate it and I'm of of I carry that in my wallet now instead of a whole I have a metal business card holder that I think stores about ten or fifteen cards in it, so rather than having to do that now I just carry one card, and can still share my details even faster with this new solution. But how much does it cost? I hear you asking. It starts at $64.95 or $79.95 if you want your name and company logo engraved on it. And there are also bulk order deals. So if you're ordering two to 12 cards, 13 to 29 or 30 plus, they're all different price points there. So that, that'd be an ideal for a, a for an employer to issue their employees with a card. One tapped by Hatch Card rather than printing hundreds and hundreds for each of their employees. Uh, and so that, that's another way around it as well. And you can set it up pretty easily. You, you can select your cards, engraving, enter your personal details. And now instead of carrying hundreds of business cards with the tapped by Hatch, you just need the one. If you want to read more about the 21st century business card by tapped by Hatch, and you'll see the photos of uh, my contact page there and my business card, you can check that out at techguide.com.au. This week's celebrity tech guest is none other than Australian best-selling author Jane Harper. Now, I'm sure any any of you who are readers would have no doubt heard of Jane. Her she's written her fourth book called The Survivors. And previously, she her, her debut novel, actually, The Dry, has been made into a film starring, starring Eric Banner. So very impressive there. Her other books are Force of Nature and The Lost Man. So The Survivors, which has just hit bookstores now, is her latest book. We spoke to her about how she uses tech in both the writing, in the writing process, uh, how, how she considers how her readers enjoy her work, whether it's e-readers and audiobooks and the printed book as well. We also talk about how in these times of COVID, how she's rather than going on a, on a book tour, She's having to jump online and, and have these Zoom meetings, uh, Zoom gatherings with her readers. So uh, he, she, she's uh, a, former, a former journalist for the Herald Sun. So we also talk about how her journalism training came in handy also for her novel writing career. So here's our, her interview. Well, hi, Jane. Thank you for joining the Tech Guide podcast. How are you going? I'm good, thanks. So tell us, uh, your new book, The Survivors, uh, let, tell us about the book, uh, what, what can we expect? Yeah, sure. So The Survivors is an Australian mystery set in the rugged kind of Tasmanian coastline and there's a lot of small town intrigue and secrets to be uncovered. Um, and it says it's centred around a young artist here who returns home to help his parents and he's barely arrived when a body is discovered on the beach. Ooh, intriguing. Great. Well, this is, uh, I'm already halfway through the book. I'm really enjoying it. I'm a fan of all your books. I've read, read them all, including the, your first novel, The Dry, which I understand is being made into a film. So uh, yeah. tell us about that. And are you involved at all? What's your involvement there? Yeah, so that's really exciting. The Dry is, um, has been made into a film. It was filmed last year, in 2019. 
and um, I got to go up and be an extra um, and be in the funeral scene, which was really fun, and see how they were, you know, making it. And, and I've seen the finished film, and it's fantastic. It's really great. I think if people, you know, enjoyed the book, they really enjoyed the film as well. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it's due out next year, so keep an eye out for that. Definitely will be. Now, you, you, your background is as a journalist. Uh, so you, you worked at the Herald Sun, I understand. I'm a former News Limited employee myself. I worked at the Daily Telegraph. So tell us, how, how has being a journalist helped your in your writing, your novel writing career? I think it helped loads. Um, you know, being a journalist, you're so used to deadlines and writing to order. I, I try and use a lot of those skills every day when I'm writing. So things like I set myself artificial deadlines, both long-term and short-term, and I kind of have a plan of what I need to accomplish each day. And I think, you know, having been a journalist, it just really gives me that discipline so that when I sit down at the computer and have time to write, I can kind of make the most of that time. Yeah, right. Well, this is a tech podcast, so we're going to talk about some technology, and we're going to we're going to go through a few things um, from you know, the writing process to your research and how people enjoy your work and how you're promoting the book. So there's a bit of tech aspect to all of that. Let's start with your obviously your writing process. What sort of technology are you using? I'd imagine you have a laptop and and some software. Tell us about that. The thing I think I've learned with writing is that there's no sort of program or, you know, software that can really write a book for you. It's really about finding, I think, whatever makes you feel most comfortable. For me, I, I use pretty basic stuff. I mean, I, um, uh, I actually use a desktop computer. So I just have a, uh, like a Dell computer and uh, I use Word, which is a bit of Microsoft Office program. And, and that's kind of how I... And that's kind of how I do it. I think I just use that because I feel most comfortable. I know how to, you know, how, I know how to save things um, reliably and I know how to file things reliably so that I can find various drafts. Sure. So um, I suppose having Word also helps you. You can see at a glance your word count and things like that. Is that helpful there? Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, there are sort of specific novel writing programs that can have a lot of kind of extra features. You know, they have kind of divide up, you know, chapters and all kinds of things yeah. that, that some people might find useful. And um, I have used, there's another one called Scrivener. Scrivener, I was going to suggest that. Yeah, I was going to ask if you've you've tried it and and prefer Word to that, do you? Yeah, I mean, I guess I use Scrivener a bit. Um, I use one of their features particularly, which is uh, like a special corkboard, which allows you to write sort of chapter summaries and and lay them out and then you can kind of shuffle them around and you can see the whole, you know, the whole summary kind of laid out in in different parts. And I do find that quite useful because it's, it's useful as an overview, and I and I plan a lot when I write a book, so I find that I find that really helpful. So I actually use that aspect of Scrivener, but when it comes to writing, um, I just yeah go back to you know old fashioned word. I was going to ask you too in this that Scrivener aspect you were talking about. So you you're a bit of a are you a plotter? Are you a pantser? I know the authors are sort of split into two halves. Are you more of a plotter? And using that feature in Scrivener su- suggests to me that you might sort of plot out your path before you write or yeah i'm a big plotter so i like i plan extensively i would i would spend longer planning than i would writing ah, right. um and i because I, I find for me it um it allows me to really test, test things out without having to commit to writing you know twenty thousand words then realizing that's the wrong path i mean you would know you see you know as a former yep. um journalist for yourself you know, it's not you only have so much energy i think to um yes. to write and you don't want to exhaust that on the wrong the wrong avenue so yeah. i will i plan really extensively and and i i make sure i test things out with you know um without writing them so i can kind of make sure that the structure is exactly right and all the characters doing exactly what they need to do and i'll plan it out chapter by chapter all the way before i start writing so when i actually finally start writing I know exactly what's going to happen at every stage. Okay. And what about when you're writing? Are you are you a person who likes to wear like headphones and earphones? Do you have music playing? Have you got any like speakers around you? What 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 sort of uh, what's your environment like? I do um, sometimes have music on. Um, it has to be something without lyrics. So some kind of background instrumental is yep. good. Nothing too exciting. Movie soundtracks, um, I understand, are pretty good, aren't they? Movie soundtracks. Do you listen to those? Yeah, yeah. that's right. Because they have a little bit of drama in them, and I tend to actually sometimes. For each book, I, I I kind of end up almost by by accident. Really, I'll I'll, I'll start listening to maybe just a, a certain kind of playlist on Spotify, and that will kind of become the background for the book. Oh. Um, and it, it's not that the music is particularly anything anything special, but I'll mentally I'll really associate that with 
the writing process. So I'll tend to kind of list it out over and over because it helps get me in that frame of mind quite quickly. Okay. And what about I, I don't, the, the internet would be make research a lot easier too. Are you finding that Google's your best friend when you're doing your research? Yeah, look, I mean, it, that does make it a lot easier. And I think, you know, I think that has really helped, you know, it has been having my journalism training and finding out information. So that, that you know, helps. I think you understand where you can get information from and and where to ask. And so I draw on that quite a lot. I, I started doing a lot of the initial research, yes, from my desk, just kind of, you know, reading blogs and things actually from people who live in the kind of area I'm writing about or have those kind of experiences and, um, you know, looking at photos and all those kind of things that you can, you know, we have the luxury of being able to do from home now. And then I always do, do um, also do an on-the-ground trip as well. So I'll spend quite a long time kind of planning that and making sure I've sort of set up, you know, where I'm going to go, what I need to look at and who I need to talk to when I'm there okay. to get all the information I need yeah, for the book. Again, those journalist skills coming to the forefront, are they? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, how about now? Let's let's move. Okay, we've we've you've written your book. It, it's it's about to be published, and now readers have several ways to enjoy your work. So, there's obviously print, which is my preference. Even though I'm a tech journalist, I, I I still I'm a print guy. I like having a book in my hand. But there's also, of course, the e-books and also now audio books. I'll, I'll ask you first about, obviously, print. That's sort of where, where it starts. But how, how do you feel about e-books? Is that something that, that you're finding your readers are, are, are enjoying your work on those Kindle devices? Yeah, I mean, that definitely seems to be, you know, an avenue where, you know, a lot of readers find the books. I personally, I'm also a print reader. I don't I don't really read books on it at all. Okay. Um, and I think that just comes down to you know, personal preference, either, yeah. you know, you, you like it or you don't. And, and there seems to have, anecdotally, it seems like the market has sort of settled and, you know, people who, e-books are not particularly cannibalizing print sales um, yeah. because I think people have kind of found, you know, often people do both, but I, I think people have kind of found the, the level that they're happy with and, and for some that will be e-books and for some that will always be print books. Sure. And the good thing about an e-book reader is that it's it's also the bookstore, so they can actually order it from the palm of their hand, literally. Yeah, that's right, and have it straight away. You know, yeah. so and you know, and if you're on holiday or something, it's great to be able to, to have that option, you know, if you're not taking um definitely a whole suitcase with, with um big books that you may not want to you know carry all the way home. <laughs> For sure. What about audiobook? I'm a, I'm a big fan. Even though I'm, I'm a very tactile reader, I, I do love having the print book in my hand, but I, I also enjoy audiobooks. It, it allows me to like hear a book uh, in times where I couldn't normally read, like when I'm driving or walking. What, how, how's your yeah. feeling? And are your, a lot of your readers enjoying your work through audiobooks as well? Yeah, I mean, audiobooks are, are really great. I love hearing the audio versions of my books because I think for me as well, it's kind of a... Um, it's kind of a fresh way to enjoy books, you know, especially if you're staring at the screen a lot during the day for your work. It's quite a nice way to, you know, just get, get that kind of change of pace. Sure. Um, and I'm really lucky. I've got a great narrator, this guy called Steve Shanahan, who has um, narrated all my books and I think really adds an extra dimension to them, which is yeah. something that it, it just kind of gives you a different way to enjoy them, I think. Yeah, he's Australian too, isn't it? So have, is he an yeah. Aussie? Yeah. So reading is, him in an yeah, Aussie accent, is. I think that helps too, doesn't it? <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it just, you know, I and mean, I think even as the author, even as well as I know the book, it's, mm. whenever I listen to him narrating them, it always gives me something a little bit fresh yeah. and different. That, it's a performance, um, isn't it? You're hearing a performance. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and I, I like it too because, A, it gives me time to enjoy a book uh, quite quickly. I can, because I drive a fair bit and I'm walking or whatever, but it also you're using less RAM in your brain. You can kind of enjoy and get into the story a little better, I think. That's right. Yeah, I think it does sort of um – yeah, it, it, it kind of gives you access in a different way. And also, you know, if you, as you said, if you're quite busy, you can, you know, put it on while you're kind of doing things around the house or going yeah. for a walk or whatever. So I'm not sure, you know, I mean, not everybody wants to multitask while they're enjoying a book, but it does give you that option as well. <laughs> Absolutely. So are you, are you finding it's print probably your, your strongest area where, where people are enjoying your work or is it, have you got a nice spread across all three? Yeah, look, I think all three do do well. Um, I think print is still the dominant, the dominant form though. Yeah. 
Well, now the book is in stores and you're busily promoting the book. And in these times of COVID, unfortunately, you're having to resort to having virtual events. Tell us about those. So usually when a book comes out, um, I'll go on, you know, like a, a national tour and then also probably an international tour as well because they're you know, published um, overseas as well. So I'll go to the UK and the US and do a lot of in-person bookshop events. And obviously that's um, not you know, possible this time. So everything's moved online, which has been really interesting, actually, um, because I think it's, it's just a different way for people to have that kind of experience of hearing about the book. It's really nice to do it in person. Yeah. But, yeah, being able to do it online, I think the, the barrier to access is much lower. You know, people just, it's, they, they're usually free. You know, you sign up online, you get a link, you sit on your couch and, you know, click on the link when it's time to join. And I think we're reaching a lot of people who maybe wouldn't get to come to in-person events because of where they live or personal commitments, sure. but they can sit at home and enjoy them online, which is, yeah, it's something I hope maybe continues. Absolutely. What about yourself? Uh, you're, you're a you're a, uh, you're a mum. You've got a couple of kids, I understand. And so the technology in your home, uh, uh, well, let's start with you personally. Are you... I'd imagine you've got a smartphone and you've got some stuff set up at home. Tell us about your, your, your home and your, your sort of connection with tech at home. Yeah, a lot of my kind of business stuff um, happens at home. I'm lucky my husband actually is, he, so he has a master's in technology and he does a lot of the tech um, aspects for me. Ah, so he okay. runs my so website. So you've got your personal, um, IT, your personal IT guy. Yeah, that's right, which is really handy because, I mean, it means, you know, it can really kind of you know, it's so much easier to kind of discuss what goes on the website and yeah. have things updated. And he obviously has a, a personal vested interest in making sure, you know, it looks as Absolutely. good. Absolutely. So he set up your website, did he? Your husband did? He did, yeah. Wow. Um, and, he, and I think, you know, that the benefit of that is that, um, you know, I have a really sort of bespoke website and, and he understands the, the kind of the business side of... Yeah, I've seen you know, it. No, I like it. It's it's very nicely designed site. Yeah, he's done a good job. Oh, thank you. I think also one of the best things actually about the site is, I don't know if you would have noticed this from where you logged on, but it, it has, it uses the visitor's IP address to localise the content. Yeah. So if you log on Australia, you see different sites than people who log on in the US yeah. and the UK. And because I have obviously got like different covers and different release dates and different news depending on like the region. Wow. That's savvy. Um, well done. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, that's a really good, cause, I mean, it's, I think then it, it makes it quite personal because, you know, there's a lot of websites, as you, you, know, you know, you log on and the content is not particularly, you know, localised to you. But I think, you know, this way, you know, when you log on and it's a book cover, it's a book cover that you're going to see in shops and the release date is the one that, you know, you're going to be able to buy the book on and things like that. I think it just really helps, you know, make it feel more personal and connect with the readers. Definitely. Speaking of connecting with readers, uh, how, how what's your relationship like on social media? Are you, are you a fan? Do you see it as work? Is it something you like to do? Uh, I know you. a lot of people like yourself, authors, like to interact with their readers online. Is that is that you? So I do have social media accounts. Yeah, I'm I, not, I think I'm following I'm not... you on Twitter now, by the way. <laughs> so you will see probably it's been a, probably a little while since I last posted. Um, I would expect, I think, you know, for me, it's something I think is, is it's a good tool to have in that it does allow you to kind of get that message out there in different ways. And it's kind of, it can, it can be quite fun to, you know, post the photos and, and let readers know in, in kind of a more personal way, I guess, what, what's going on. Yeah. Having said that, I think social media is something, I think either, you know, either you're really drawn to it or not so much and for yeah. me just on a personal level not so much and as much as we actually love hearing from the readers like social media can as we all know can be such a time suck you know and yes. I think you've already got so many hours in a day and it takes a long time to write a book yeah. so I really I really sort of trained myself to, to not not engage with it too much because I, if I've got that time it's yeah. so much better you should be writing you should be book. writing is yeah, what he's saying exactly. so I should be here <laughs> <laughs> And what about your kids? Uh, are they are they into their gadgets? Are they do they have iPads or ha- are, are, are they on social media? What's the policy in the Harper household? Oh yeah, so they're, so they're pretty young still. So my my oldest one is four, and the youngest one is nearly one. Um, so they're still a bit. Um, okay. Thankfully, we haven't quite had to cross that that you know that that sort of bridge just yet. But yeah. having said that, I mean, already so young, they're really you know, technology is such a kind of integral part of life now. So, yeah. you know, the four-year-old makes you love kind of going on the iPad. and um, oh, I bet he can run the iPad know. like a pro. <laughs> That's right. And things like the phones and things as well. It's amazing how, just see how that kind of on that instinctive level, the kind of the, the lights and the, 
I don't know, yeah. the electrons and things really draw them in. So yeah. um, so we have, we have some things that they yeah. can use, like on the iPad, like games and stuff they can do. Yeah, it's all they know too, like that technology. That, that's all that they, they've, they've born into that. They, don't, they know nothing different. That's uh, right. Yeah. And, and I guess the question, I mean, it'll be interesting to see yeah, when they're sort of in um, a few years' time, probably not, not that long, we'll have to kind of make those decisions about yeah, what kind of access they have. And I guess technology is moving so fast, so sure. you have to see what see what what happens you know, in, in the future really Excellent. and make sure you get a book in their hand too i find uh, <laughs> a lot of kids now they've they've got these devices and their kids are, are reading less so that that's that's something to look at, look at as well isn't it yeah that's right i mean i think um yeah the thing i've noticed is if i use kind of my phone thinks too much of my attention span does tend to shrink a little bit so mm-hmm. um whereas i find reading tends to increase your attention span so um as an adult i can kind of consciously you know, make sure I, you know, I try and read regularly and, and keep that going. But I can understand, you know, kids, if they're not, don't have that habit ingrained, that that is something that you have to really consciously develop. Definitely. Jane, it's been a real pleasure chatting with you. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This is Tech Guide. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Netgear. They're Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. Is your Wi-Fi struggling to keep up with your streaming, your work, your gaming, your video calling and more? And what happens if you're doing all of that at once? When you're connected to your world by Wi-Fi, be sure it's the best. Bring your Wi-Fi up to speed with Orbi Wi-Fi 6 from Netgear. Orbi Wi-Fi 6 is the best and latest in Wi-Fi. It covers your entire home with the fastest Wi-Fi for uninterrupted streaming, video calling and working and learning from home on more devices than ever before in any part of the house. It's Wi-Fi perfectly engineered. Are you ready for the best Wi-Fi ever? Find out more at netgear.com.au slash best Wi-Fi. And now a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennec. Kicking off the reviews for this week is a pair of earphones from LG. They're called Tone Free. Now, these earphones, when they were first announced a couple of months ago, the the top line feature for these earphones was the fact that the the charging case was able to kill germs. It's a, it's called the UV nano case, so it uses ultraviolet light, which can kill ninety nine point nine percent of bacteria and E. coli. So that was, the, that was the feature because you think of when these were released in the time of the COVID pandemic, the time of social distancing and hand sanitizer. So any kind of hygiene angle is obviously something that they, they would play up and, and LG did just that. But that is the top line feature maybe before, but not now. I think once you hear these, these earphones, it's the audio quality that is going to get your attention. And we review them for Tech Guide. And the earphones, uh, they have a similar design to the AirPods. So they've got a little stalk uh, coming down off the bud. They have passive noise cancellation, which means that they use the, the silicon seal in your ear to cut out all the external noise and does a great job at it. And when you think about that, that's hundreds of dollars cheaper than having active noise cancellation, which uses microphones and technology and reverse wavelengths to to cut down the noise in the background. In this instance, it does a pretty good job, just the active noise cancellation, but it also still has the ambient mode. So if you do need to talk to someone or hear something, you might be running or exercising, you need to hear the traffic around you, you can actually not only turn on ambient mode, but also set the level of ambient sound you want to let in as well. So it did a, did a pretty good job at blocking the outside world, but there was that facility for you to be able to hear your surroundings as well. Now, on the design side, the tone-free earphones have head-centered weight distribution, so they sit really nicely and balanced in your ear. So it's a nice, comfortable fit, secure fit in your in your ear. They're quite light, very comfortable to wear, and they have, as I mentioned, like like the AirPods, have that small stalk below the bud, which is where the microphone is located. But in terms of audio quality. I was really impressed. Now, these these are tuned by Meridian Audio, very well-respected audio company, a real sound of power and authority in these things. Whether you're listening to the nuances of, of a violin string or crashing cymbals of a drum solo or the deep bass of a dance track, 
It's got your back no matter what type of music you listen to or what type of listener you are. This isn't the sort of earphones that are bass heavy all the time for to attract that younger listener or have a lot of treble focus to attract an older listener. This has a really nice cross-sectional listening experience and it does have a companion app if you do want to tweak the sound a little bit you can access some preset equalizer options within the app so you can either boost bass or treble create there's two other modes called immersive and natural and if you want to have a go yourself there are two custom equalizer settings so if you want to make the adjustments you want to then save them as a separate profile you can do that as well we went with the bass boost it, it did improve the bass only slightly but most of the time we were using the earphones we were happy just out of the box how they sounded the only our one and only criticism is the max volume could be a touch higher because to really enjoy them you have to have them like two third like three quarters full full volume and even at full volume and you and and with the passive noise cancellation there's still a little bit noise that comes in so I would have loved to have had that extra bit of a volume to drown out to drown out that sound rather than having to put up with it. So not a deal breaker, but if there was one thing I could change, I would have given it a slightly higher volume at the top end. But otherwise, sound quality is remarkable. Now, the outside of the earphones have touch controllers, so and they're just the right sensitivity too. I really, I'm not a fan of earphones where you, the slightest touch can may make you go forward in your tracks or go back or pause it or whatever. This has just the right sensitivity for you to be able to easily play and pause your music, adjust the volume, and even make and answer your calls. You can also activate ambient mode by pressing and holding either earbud so you can hear the outside world through the onboard microphones for those times where you are running, you're near the road or in the gym or someone comes up to you and, and, and needs to talk to you. Now on the call side, this was another really impressive part of this product when I was reviewing it. I, I was making and receiving calls which was so clear. Like I could hear the person I was talking to really clearly and they said the same about me. I asked them, I said, look, I'm reviewing these earphones. How do these sound? I didn't tell them what brand it was. I just said, look, how do they sound? They said they sound fantastic. It's like you're not even on an earphone. So uh, if you are someone who does make a lot of phone calls and you, rather than holding your device, you'd prefer to have earphones in, then the LG Tone Free are certainly going to do the job for you. They're not going to let you down. The microphone quality, exceptional. So if you're making calls, way to go. The LG Tone Free has a six-hour battery life as well. And the case has another 12 hours. So that's 18 hours all up. Now, we talked about the case before, the UV Nano case. And when, when you uh, open the lid of the case, you see the purple light underneath the silicon ear gels uh, on when the, the earphones are in the case. That's the UV Nano doing its thing and killing the germs. It takes about 10 minutes for that to happen. So if you've put them back in the case... 10 minutes later, they're going to be sterilized again. Uh, and again, you can't really, by looking at the earphones, you can't tell, oh, that looks clean, that doesn't. It, it does, I don't think it works that way. But uh, it's a good thing to have. Can't hurt to have it in these times we're living through. Uh, hygiene is something we've been taught to wash your hands for 20 seconds, don't touch your face, and all of these things. Well, now what we put in our ears, we know, will be also pretty clean and free of germs as well. But that shouldn't be the reason why you're buying these these earphones. The audio quality is well and truly above average. They're only priced at $279 as well, so they represent a fair bit of value. I think you're not paying for that active noise cancellation, which is a big help here. You're paying for the passive noise cancellation, but still delivering a great result. The LG tone-free earphones, $279. If you want to hear, or I should say read, our full review, you can check that out at techguide.com.au. Now, when I say to you, air purifier, the first thing that comes into your head, I bet, is thinking of something that sits in the corner of your room, in your home, that can purify the air in your house. And you'd be right, but there's a new product that I've had a look at for Tech Guide. It's called the Air Vida 
M1. It's actually the world's smallest air purifier, so small, in fact, you can wear it as a necklace. Now, this, this device, it's about 5.5 centimetres long and has magnetic clips on the end, on each end. So it does come with a, with a necklace, so it clips in magnetically, or it does clip into a, uh, another holder, like a, it's a little a clip. Uh, so rather than having it wearing around your neck, you can clip it to your collar or your tie or whatever you want to clip it to and enjoy this amazing air purification. And despite its small size, it can still generate 2 million ions per square centimetre over 0.6 seconds across the user's facial area. That's 100 times faster than a forest would generate that kind of thing. So how it works, right, the negative ions it generates, so it comes out of the top, there's a tiny little carbon fibre brush, so they all come out from this little opening where the carbon fibre brush is located. And I think what that does, it sort of, it turns the ions negative by the static or something passing through that carbon fibre brush. So what happens, the negative ions that come out of this thing attach themselves to the airborne particles around you and make them heavier so they fall to the ground and away from your face. So what this does is ensure that the wearer is breathing in better quality air with reduced, significantly reduced pollen, bacteria and other allergens by up to 99%. So what, what this is, this the company that creates AirVita utilises this breathing pathway eco-ion technology so it can protect wearers from any of these uh, airborne allergens, pollen allergens and uh, things like hay fever or if you've got pet allergies, this is for you as well. Now, you might be thinking, well, how the hell can this work? It's only tiny. The technology has been tested and certified by some leading institutions, including SGS the and Japan Infrared Rays Association, JIRA for short. But get this, further testing by the Kitatsu Research Center for Environmental Sciences in Japan has proven that the Air Vita M1, this little thing you wear around your neck, can also reduce by 99.9% of all common viruses in the air, including seasonal flu and the common cold. They didn't mention COVID, but if it can reduce 99.9% of common viruses in the air, that's pretty good. And if it could protect you from COVID, I think that'd be uh, something that'd be shouting from the rooftops. Who knows? Maybe they haven't uh, released the test results for that yet, but good to know at the very least, you're going to be breathing in cleaner air by wearing a necklace or clipping this device to your collar. Now, this one, this product, the AirVita M1, was one the it was recognised as an honoree at the Consumer Electronics Show's Innovation Awards earlier this year. It weighs just twenty grams. There's pictures of it. Uh, it's actually the 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 person pictured it wearing it around the neck. That's actually my wife. Uh, in the hand that the, that that's my hand holding it. But uh, it, just go, it just illustrates how small it is. So I encourage you to take a look at that because you'll get an idea for the size of it, the scale of it. It actually looks, when if someone looking at it will think it's like a decorative necklace, think, oh, that's nice. But it's a little bit of technology that, can, that is this, the world's smallest air purifier. It comes with a small charging dock as well. So when you connect it via the magnetic clips on either end, little mag magnets on either end, it can be recharged using a micro USB cable. Uh, and there's also a children's version available later this year, the AirVita C1, which will include the very same technology as the AirVita M1. Now, the AirVita M1 is going to be available from mid-October, and it's going to be priced at 299 bucks. If you want to check out the AirVita story, you can see it for yourself how small it is and how it looks as a necklace. You can check that out at techguide.com.au. We have spoken in the past about the the Ecovax Osmo DBot T8 Plus 
AIVIV for short, they call that. That's artificial intelligence, virtual intelligence. Uh, this is a robot vacuum. It was released earlier this year. And just to give you a quick summary of that product, it introduced new technologies that, that delivered millimeter level obstacle detection and, and avoidance using the True Detect 3D technology. So now things that are just the mortal enemies of a robot vacuum cleaner, like socks, charging cables, small toys, not only can the Ecovacs n- navigate around those objects, but it will also tell you in the companion app that, look, I couldn't clean the lounge properly because there was a toy or a sock sitting there. Once you get rid of them, I'll go back and clean up like I was supposed to. That's what this device can do. Uh, It also has improved true mapping, laser-based mapping and navigation technology. So it comes up with this hyper-accurate floor plan of your house, four times more accurate than the previous models. So when you look in the app, when it's done a full circuit of your house, it'll see you'll see on the on the app the basic floor plan of your house. It's mapped your house to provide that efficient cleaning path. So it can also, by the way, clean both carpets and hard floors. It's a mop as well. So it, it's got everything covered. It has the pro oscillating mopping system which is, will also be available as a separate accessory for the very first time as well. But the new product, the new feature that's been introduced for the, for the T8 Plus is the auto-empty station. So you think about the robot vacuum, normally there's a little bin inside it, and after a few days you, you've got to take the trouble of, of getting there, uh, lifting up the hatch on top of the robot vacuum, pulling the, the, the bin out, emptying it in the garbage and then putting it back again. That's normally, if you're using this regularly, you're probably doing that maybe once a week or twice a week, depending on how dirty your house is and how big your house is. But now with the auto empty station, which doubles up as the charging station, it rocks up to the bottom of the empty station. There are vacuum tubes that that take the dust from the bin underneath the vacuum and then up into this auto empty station into a much larger disposable bag. So instead of looking at it once a week to empty it, you're now looking at it once a month to empty it. So it does add to that convenience. You're not having to continually go and check the vacuum. And if you forget to empty that bin, it'll still go around and clean stuff. But with a full bin, it's not going to be able to vacuum properly. So having this convenience of not having to check it for a month uh, is remarkable. And you can... the, the the, the larger disposable bag pulls out easily at the top, seals itself as soon as you pull it out, so you're not going to have dust everywhere. It just really it's made a, a good product even better. Uh, so em- emptying the bin every few days as a thing of the past, up to 30 days of dust collection now, thanks to the auto-empty station. And when, when it is time to empty it, you'll receive a notification. It'll uh, give you a voice alert through the Ecovax app to say, listen, empty me, I'm pretty full. So uh, another handy addition to the Ecovacs Osmo T8 Plus. Now, if you don't have an Osmo T8, you can buy the T8 and the Auto Empty Station together for twelve hundred and ninety nine dollars from the good guys. If you already, if you just want to buy the Osmo T8 on its own, it's nine hundred and ninety nine dollars on Amazon and eBay. The if you already have the T8 and just want the Auto Empty Station, you can buy that for $399 from JB Hi-Fi and Godfrey's. And I also mentioned the Osmo Pro Oscillating Mopping System for the T8, AV, IV, and the T8 will be available in November from Amazon and eBay as well. I've put links to all of that in our story and pictures of the new auto empty station, which has totally changed the way we use our robot vacuum. We can just let it do its thing for a month at a time, not having to worry about emptying that bin. If you want to read more about that, check it out at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton. They're the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Now, there's been a rapid increase in cybercrime with constant data breaches, online scams and ransomware, just to name a few. Norton's all-in-one cyber safety solution, Norton 360 Premium, now comes with dark web monitoring powered by LifeLock, which helps notify you if your personal information is discovered on the dark web. It also includes device security and secure VPN with bank-grade encryption to help keep you private online, plus a password manager, PC safe cam, 
and more. With Norton's award-winning security and globally trusted protection across 50 million customers, rest assured Norton 360 Premium with dark web monitoring is the all-in-one protection for your devices and data. Norton 360 Premium is available now at leading retailers. And now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. Interesting question I had from a reader recently, and they asked they asked a question that is is a valid one. They're saying, "Look, why can't my older iPad be updated beyond iOS ten or iOS 11? Now, it must be an old iPad that that can't take that upgrade. But the answer is pretty simple because what happens with software and and products as they improve over the years. The products themselves become faster. There's always a faster processor, has more capacity, more memory. So it's able to handle more. And in this, by the same token, the software is getting more sophisticated at the same time and requires hardware that can handle those extra computations and just that extra load it's going to put on the device. So being able to have the latest software on your device, you need the device itself to have the capability of running it. Now, Apple is all about offering customers the best possible experience when it comes to their products. So they're not going to cripple an older product with the brand new operating system that's designed for a product that that's, that's came out six years later. Apple's pretty good, in fact, with, with being faithful to the older devices. If you were to upgrade to iOS 14, for example, on the iPhone, even if you had an iPhone 6S, that which is like a six-year-old phone, you can still upgrade to that operating system. But if you have an older device, then it's, it's, you, you won't be able to do it because just the hardware just won't be able to cut it, this, this having that extra burden with this updated operating system. So that's the kind of the explanation behind it, why, why Apple kind of set set the, the 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 border on what devices are compatible. Like whenever I write about a new software update from Apple, whenever they release a new iOS for the iPhone, the iPad, even the Mac, I do try to include, or I always include, how far back the update will work. So uh, nor, I normally say from iPad Air 2 onwards and, and from iPhone 6S onwards. You normally notice that in all the bottom of my stories. That's because if someone with an older device, uh, hopefully they'll see that before trying to attempt uh, downloading and installing software that their device just can't handle. And that there is the end of our show for this week. Everything that we've spoken about, you can find at our website, techguide.com.au. And feel free to get in touch. Our email address is info at techguide.com.au. Or there's a big icon that says, Ask Stephen on the Tech Guide homepage. Click on that and you'll be able to send me an email and I'll get back to you as quickly as I can. We want to give a special thanks too to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs. And also Norton, the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected.